Good evening. April 23rd, dummies. It is 7.09 p.m. Friday, Red Friday. I'm not wearing any red. I do have a little red glow. I got some sun in the uh, cold weather. We're out to raise the roof, and it was snowing. Weird? Weird. Had no idea it was going to be snowing, but it was fun. We'll show you a video of that tonight. Raise the roof for a gold star mom. It was great. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about systemic racism and how I am so sick and tired of hearing about systemic racism. Oh, please. Please understand the difference between systemic and individual racism. We will go into it tonight. Oh, and for all you Facebook trolls, enough. Folks, listen, I have said that I would always entertain and talk to people on Facebook. I've been doing it. I'm really good about it. I come in and I... You're going to get maybe three or four posts from me from now on. And if you're not capturing my attention, I'm just going to jump on you and leave. I'm going to let the dummies eat you apart. I, I am so sick and tired of these people coming on here. White privilege and, oh, systemic racism and racial bias. And, oh, my, please, you couldn't prove it if you tried. Can we stick to facts? Please don't link Harvard.edu. How about the FBI? How about we leave crime stats to the FBI? What do you think? Do you think that might be a good idea? Or do you want to go ahead and tell me how to make a bunt cake on the NASA website? Is that is that what you're going to do? Are we just going to take arbitrary people who just happen to agree with us and use those as facts? It's not facts. Harvard EDU is one of the most liberal colleges in the on the planet, and it's been that way for a long time. And they wouldn't know anything about crime except for blue collar crime as they steal money from parents and their retirement for their kids by giving them a useless degree and telling them that they can be engineers or world-class attorneys when honestly they can't talk themselves out of a wet paper bag and that degree that they have in four dollars and 25 cents could buy them an awfully good cup of coffee let's stop i don't have the time anymore so this is what i'm going to do if we want to argue i'm going to say and ask question what point are you trying to make you have one point to make make your point and if you don't we're done i'm just i don't have time anymore i don't have the time i can't do it And I'm sorry that you want to go ahead and label most of my listeners as Trumpians and white privilege and unconscious bias. Oh, please, your stuff's so tired. You wouldn't know a fact if it sat on your face. People, please just stop. I will tell you, Republicans drive me crazy sometimes, but they don't do this. They don't live in this delusional world where they just regurgitate Fox News. I know everyone says they do. They really don't. You know what they do? They talk about God. They talk about family. They talk about their rights. They talk about the Constitution. They talk about how liberals are a bunch of ignorant asses and communists. But they don't sit here and regurgitate Fox News. They actually just believe what they believe. Liberals, I can't learn anything new from you that I couldn't learn from CNN. Could you just please have an original thought? If Republicans cling to their guns and their Bible, you cling to hopeless thoughts. And all you do is take the word culture and stick it at the end of it. And somehow it makes it real. Right. Racist culture, sexist culture, xenophobic culture, culture. Why? Anyway, we're going to talk about your crap tonight. I'm so sick of it. Gosh, it's just frustrating. And yes, I know I created the site and I know I'm asking for it. But can you just please make an argument that actually is worth making? We're going to talk about the shooting. The shooting, another shooting, another police shooting. Let's blame the police. Let's blame the police. This lady had a knife and was going to stab a human being. He should have pulled out his taser and pepper spray, and hopefully that would have slowed it down. Maybe he should have invoked his will and prayed to God 
to see if there was an invisible boundary that would stop the knife wielder from shanking a 16-year-old girl in the stomach. Well, here's the cool thing. At least she's had some practice when she spends no time in jail because she's dead. And it's sad. 16 years old. Horrible. Horrible. You know what's worse? The way it's being portrayed. We're going to talk about it tonight. When are we going to take accountability? When are we going to stop blaming the cops and start holding the parents accountable? Please. Please. Yes, it's sad. Yes, it's tragic. But are we going to sit here and care when there are literally, literally hundreds, if not thousands, that die every single year in Chicago that are younger than this girl? Your manufactured outrage is pathetic. I'm already started. I'm ready. I'm fired up. Let's go. All right. We ready? Because I'm going to get this on. I'm gonna, I just can't hold it back. I was going to be nice. I said this is going to be a nice, warm, fuzzy intro. It's not. I recently paid $300 for a limousine, and I just found out that the fee doesn't include a driver. I can't believe I spent all that money, and I have nothing to show for it. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. I should have just stopped the show there. It's like I'm already I'm already halfway through my my uh, my take. Folks, thank you. It's Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. I appreciate you. I, I'm angst. I, I, it's been since what? Tuesday since I've had a show. I'm ready to go. I'm fired up. So now I got to slow it back down because we're going to talk about raise the roof. And that's not really something I'm super fired up about in a negative way where I want to unleash the Kraken, so to speak. But I will unleash this. These are my tags. Don't unfriend me host. Don't unfriend me over on Instagram, YouTube, whatever. Throw me a like, share and subscribe. We're killing it. We're almost at 17,000 followers. Can't believe we're almost at 20. It's incredible. Uh, Please continue to do that over on YouTube, Instagram. I'd love to have you follow me over there. I'd love to see your pictures. If you want to follow, just let me know. Remember, it's Matthew Spear. You can also follow my private page and uh, say hello to me over there, too. I've got a lot of listeners who actually have had the moxie to send me an invite, and uh, I'd love to love to have you over there, too. So, folks, what are we uh, going to do tonight? Well, we've already talked about it. And we've already covered it a lot. But first, before we do that, go over to don'tunfriendme.com. You can get all my catalogs. You can get uh, all my podcasts right there. Just click on that. You can also leave some comments and say hello and all that other stuff, folks. What is Raise the Roof? Well, this is Raise the Roof 15, Valor Home. And if you want to go see it, it's ValorHome.com. Showed you the commercial the other night. I'm going to talk about it again because it's a part of my life. And I think it's about social issues, kind of a little bit. It fits within this show. Is we were going to, uh, when we started this program, is to focus on veterans and provide roofs for veterans four times a year. And we've done that. We've done uh, 15 roofs. But we changed it up a little bit. Gold Star Moms have been influential when I was working at Flags of Valor, and I think that their story needs to be told. Gold Star Moms are not recognized as often and as much as they should be. So we found the president of Gold Star Moms reached out to National. National located the Maryland and Virginia um, representatives, a lady named Kelly, and we've had a fast relationship, and we decided to put a roof on Miss Paula Davis. Her son uh, unfortunately passed away in Afghanistan and was killed. And uh, PFC Davis uh, was a young man. He was 19 years old. Tragic, horrible, horrible situation. And she is just a rock star, an amazing woman. So we went out there last night. We had the the chief of police, 
fire captain, chief of fire out there, some engines, ladders, mission barbecue came out. DeWalt came out. We had a uh, still point. You guys know still point. Oh man, it was awesome. I'll find the picture after I show you the video. And my, uh, we listen to still point. They're awesome. If you guys haven't listened to them, go to reverb nation, type in still point S T I I L P O I N T. I love them to death. They're a great band, great bunch of guys. And, uh, I'll show you the video real quick. I think you'll like it. And then I'll show you a picture of what else we've got. Here is the, uh, news coverage that we got last night from WUSA nine, a partner of ours. Here you go. I'm so happy. This was overwhelming. I had no idea it was going to be all of this. <laughs> this is Raise the Roof by Valor Roofing in honor of my son, Private First Class Justin Davis, who gave his life in 2006. He was a, a very um, outgoing, loud person who uh, always wanted to serve from a little kid playing as a, a G.I. Joe. He always wanted to serve. When you got the phone call saying that you were at number 15, what was going through your mind? That they made a mistake. <laughs> that they made a mistake. I think today was a, was a day of celebration for her to kind of look back on those moments and to be able to know that she has a brand new roof on her head. And, and I think overall you can tell she's ecstatic. And I'm very appreciative and I'm honored that uh, my son is still giving back because I got a roof and it's because of his sacrifice. God bless Oh, what a sweet celebration there. I know, right? Raising the roof and warming our hearts at the same time. I love my job. This is just what I get to do for a living. I, I literally get to market for a company that does stuff like that all the time. My job is like taking candy from a baby. I love it. I love my job. I love what I do. And we get to do stuff like that all the time. Here's a picture of uh, my kids with still point. Man, what a bunch of good looking rockers, man. I think they must have smoked seven packs of cigarettes each during that couple hour event. They're amazing, man. Brandon, Nick, Matt, they're all good dudes. And uh, I can't wait to, to hang out with them. They're so fun. Great music. Anyway, it was a great show. It was a great event. And uh, if you want to learn more about it, go to ValorHome.com. Take a look. Read up on it. Great company. And um, I hope that warmed your heart a little bit. It was a good day. Now, let's get into the fireball. Let's jump into the fire. The shooting of Makia Bryant. I want to be clear. Anytime a 16-year-old dies, it's, it's sad. Anytime anyone dies, it's horrible. I once again will tell you that I would expect anyone to be morose and reflective about it. But I also want to make sure we put it in perspective that there are 16-year-olds all over the country that die to gang violence in the inner cities every single day. If you go to Kenya, if you go to Syria, it happens all over the world. So it's not that we can't be outraged. It's not that we can't be saddened. But the point is, is let's stop pretending that just being sad and making a cool Facebook post is going to fix anything because it's not. And it's certainly not going to help when the news continues to distort the truth. NBC Nightly News edited out a portion of the 911 call regarding this Columbus, Ohio police shooting in its Wednesday report. It downplayed that the 16-year-old victim had a knife. 
Quote, just before yesterday's verdict, a police officer shot and killed a 16-year-old black girl in Columbus, Ohio, saying she was threatening others with a knife. NBC News' Lester Holt said during the report, correspondent Kevin Tibbles added to the NBC Nightly News report and also cited authorities who said the teenager, Makia Bryant, was threatening two other girls with a knife. The body camera footage of the incident shows Bryant lunging at another female, which appears to be a knife before being shot by an officer, appears to be a knife. Now, I want you to listen to the wording from the news media, and I'm going to show you the video. While the nightly news program played a portion of that body camera footage, it didn't highlight the knife as other programs, ABC's World News Tonight and CBS Evening News did. What's more, NBC Nightly News opted to cut out a chunk of the 911 call preceding the shooting. The 911 audio aired by ABC and CBS shows an unidentified caller saying that these these grown girls over here trying to fight us, trying to stab us. In its Wednesday report, NBC Nightly News cut out context of the 911 call and only aired the portion where the caller said, we need a police officer here now. NBC News did not immediately respond to a request for comment from the Daily Caller. In 2012, NBC News reportedly fired a producer after the Today Show aired an edited clip of the 911 call placed by George Zimmerman after or before he shot Trayvon Martin, a Florida teenager, according to Reuters. The edit made it appear as though Zimmerman told police that Martin was black without being prompted, when in fact the full tape reveals that the neighborhood watch captain only did so when responding to a question asked by the dispatcher, Reuters noted. NBC News apologized for that incident. Of course they did. But I'm going to show you something. I've got the video, as I always do, and I'm going to slow it down for you. Because why? Well, because it's important. I want you to watch this. and I want you to really think. Most of you have seen the sped up video. I know you have. This is going to break it down step by step. Let's watch. Officer leaves the vehicle. This is in Columbus, Ohio, as I've stated before. He approaches, and what does he see? Well, he sees one, two, three, four, five, six, seven possible assailants. He's outnumbered. That's never a good thing. Make sure that he assesses the situation, that his approach is correct, and you can tell he's being cautious. It's moving slow because it is in slow motion, which is also important. Watch what unfolds in just a matter of seconds. There's obviously some sort of conflict going on. Now, here's the thing that happens in fight or flight. We've talked about fight or flight the other night when I did my brief video. Fight or flight is is an acute response that happens in the brain, usually is followed up by some endorphins or adrenaline rush where you decide whether you are going to run or you are going to stand and fight. And these girls most assuredly see the police officer and decide to fight. Why? Well, there's a couple reasons. One is because they knew they were going to go to jail. Two, they were going to do whatever they wanted to do, no matter what, and had a grievance. Or three, had absolutely no idea or consequence of what would happen to them or care of what would happen to them if they tried to stab somebody. So here's the question. What's the history? What's the backlog? Is this a gang element? These young ladies had absolutely no worry that they were about to stab Another person in front of a cop, which would most assuredly create an attempted murder case open and shut and locked on them. And they didn't care. Almost like there is a mentality of spending time in jail is not a big deal. Getting street cred by stabbing somebody actually is more important than freedom. 
I wonder where that mentality comes from. Maybe we should research the actual person who tried to commit attempted murder, not from a standpoint that they were shot and show how innocent they are with a beautiful picture of when they were 12 or 13 years old. But let's go into their history. Let's go into their criminal record. Let's go into their last school that they were in. Let's go with no gain affiliations. And let's start talking about that type of stuff before we go ahead and perpetrate against the victim of this, who is not the girl who was shot, but the people who were almost stabbed. You see a woman in pink here. Police officer makes a gesture that he's walking forward. You will see. Don't focus on the lady in the black or pink. Look over at the black car. There is a person in black and shorts, and there is a conflict happening. It looks like to be a guy. Then the fight breaks out. They immediately saw what was going on. The guy is in the hoodie in the back, and this girl is backpedaling and just getting absolutely threatened by the lady who is going to be shot here in a second. Police officer comes in, knife is brandish, and this lady falls back in defense. Natural reaction, usually done by an overabundance of adrenaline to the body, can actually make your legs go to jello. It's funny. When you are in a fight or flight, your body takes over. In her case, she just fell backwards and saw the knife and immediately tried to protect herself. Officer steps back and recognizes threat behind him, moves to a position that's more advantageous, draws weapon because he sees knife, and stop. This person who was in the black and the Levi's was behind the officer. This gentleman right here in the hoodie is about to kick the girl who's down. Remember, there is a police officer there brandishing a weapon. And they're not stopping. Now, here is the coup de grace of the whole thing. You're going to see a kick of the girl who's down by a guy, nonetheless. Wonderful gentleman. I'm sure he's an upstanding citizen. But right here is the key. Look at the white arrow here. You're going to see a knife in that lady's hand. And if you've watched it full speed, it literally is a quarter to a half a second of reaction time that this officer draws, aims, and discharges his weapon, saving somebody's life. Once again, he still has a threat to his right. He is outnumbered. He doesn't know what this gentleman has in the in the hoodie. He could have a gun. He obviously probably tried to scan him, but you look at his hoodie's pocket, there's something bulging on the right-hand side. Could that be a weapon? If I was an officer, I would consider it to be so. The only thing he cares about right now is saving that girl's life, and he's putting his own life in jeopardy. He sees an attempted murder taking place and he takes action. At this point, it doesn't matter how old she is. It doesn't matter. She's a girl. It doesn't matter at all. It's attempted murder. And he is required to protect and to serve. And he does just that. Once again, I want you to think about this lady down here. What if she is trying to get away? What if she has felonies? What if she grabs his leg? Watch this again in full time, still slow mode, but in real time see the knife, and she lunges. And let me tell you, she absolutely was going for a killing blow right into the gut, right into the kidneys. And that much force and that much pressure, she most assuredly would have bled out and more than likely died. The officer shoots four times, taking down the target. The man in the hoodie puts his hands over his head and does not engage anymore. I want you to look at the speed in which that happened. And then there looks like there'd be a dog right there wondering what in the name of God is going on. If that dog would have been shot, that would also have been a tragedy. 
The officer did their job with no equivocation. But that's not the way that the media decided to go ahead and talk about it. The outnumbered panel of The View analyzed the police shooting of Ohio teen Micaiah Bryant, and the White House's claim that the motive was systemic racism. Systemic racism. Because a policy got her killed, right? There's a policy. We need to learn the difference between systemic and individual racism. That is a whole other show, but luckily we're going to do it tonight because it's just as much bullshit as everything else that they say. The View co-host Joe Behar, who is by far the most despicable human being on the freaking planet. This lady drives me crazy. I would love to debate her. And then Sonny Hostin agreed on Thursday that the police officer who shot and killed Makia Bryant in Columbus, Ohio on Tuesday had the option to de-escalate Bryant's knife attack instead of using deadly force. Behar suggested the officer could have just shot his gun in the air instead of aiming it at the 16-year-old. He said the cop had no choice. And my feeling is, I don't know if that's true or not, Behar said. I really can't figure it out anymore. It seems to me in a situation I've looked at tape and still can't figure it out. Shoot the gun in the air. Warning. Tase a person. Shoot them in the leg. Shoot them in the behind. Stop them somehow. But if the only solution is to kill a teenager, there's something wrong with this. Lady, I don't cuss very much, but you are a fucking idiot. I'm sorry. I apologize for the language. Are we even worried about the victim? This obviously was some sort of clash, whether it was a gang fight, whether it was over a boyfriend, it doesn't matter. I'm sure we can find out that all parties involved were up to no good. It was attempted murder. You're telling the cop that you want him to shoot a gun in the air. What is that going to do? They already saw the officer. Remember, if there's this systemic racism and all blacks are being targeted by cops, as you idiots fucking think, then why would any of those kids risk their life? If they were assured to be shot, the way you do it is to brandish a weapon. You just resist arrest and you get murdered, remember? You don't think brandishing a weapon is going to get you shot? Your narrative sucks and it doesn't make any sense and it's stupid. I guarantee those kids did not want to be shot that day, yet she branded a knife. And if there was some sort of fear of the police, this underlying cause that all cops are hunting black people, then I promise you she never would have turned her back or brandished a knife. She probably should have used that against the cop, don't you think, to defend herself since she was going to be gunned down unwantingly? People are morons. Even the cop had to do it. There's something wrong with it, she said. I can't explain it any better than that. That's because you're a fucking moron. We keep talking about this over and over again, and kids still keep getting shot because they keep breaking the law. That's it. They keep breaking the law. What do you want? Do you want that girl to be gutted? Do you want that other girl to stab two or three people? Do you want that cop in the hospital? The only thing that that cop did wrong was becoming a cop. He showed up to a scene. He took the target down. He stopped an attempted murder. And you freaking idiots on the view with your heads shoved so far up your ass you can see daylight have absolutely no concept of what it takes to be an officer. I would challenge all of you cushy, fat-ass liberals to go and do a ride-along with an officer and then tell me how you feel.
Go through an active shooter situation. Go through any of the defense training courses and stops that these officers have to do and train like they train. And you will find out how quickly a man with a knife 10 foot away from you can literally kill you. 10 feet, a knife's going to win against a cop every freaking time unless he's drawn and locked and ready to go. Behar's suggestion comes a day after an identified reporter was slammed for asking interim Columbus police chief Michael Woods if the Columbus officer could have shot Bryant in the arm or leg instead of aiming for center mass. Can an officer shoot the leg? Can they shoot somewhere that would not result in a fatal wound? Do me a favor. I want you to go and grab a handgun and I'm going to give you a thousand shots. I'm going to give you a thousand and I want you to be 15 to 20 feet away. And I want you to aim at the leg. I bet you don't hit it 50 times. You want to take that risk? You want to do a 5% chance of hitting target? Or do you want to do a 75 to 80% chance of hitting target, which is center mass? You take the 75 to 80. And because when you aim for the leg, you can miss. You can create ricochet. You could hit the other person. You aim small, miss small. You're not a freaking sharpshooter with a freaking handgun. These cops hardly get enough training time as it is. Why? Because we cut funding and we say we militarize them and they're around shooting guns and measuring dicks all the time, which isn't true. A lot of these cops are on for 12, 13, 14 hour shifts. They're working overtime. They're tired because their brothers and sisters are quitting because you jerks are getting them to quit with this crap of systemic racism that cops want to kill black kids. Woods explains officers are not trained to shoot the leg because it's too small a target. Yeah. However, Hostin agreed with Bihar, Behar, whatever her name is, that the officer in question had several alternatives, and she proceeded to pose questions to suggest systemic racism exists with U.S. policing. It's not like I'm stuttering, folks. I'm just mad. I'm so fired up. Let me explain to you how often a taser malfunctions when shot. Let me tell you the probability with baggy clothing that a taser actually gets through multiple layers of clothing. Let me tell you the probability that mace will not work on somebody or pepper spray from behind. You shoot it into the face so it enters the sinus canal and then it does its job, but it doesn't stop somebody from stabbing somebody. My question is, why is deadly force always the first order of business and especially the first order of business when it comes to black and brown people in this country? She asked, well, you freaking moron, it isn't. 256. It's not every interaction. Police officers stop millions of people a year. Plural. Millions. And only a fraction result in fatal shooting. So please stop the crap. Stop applying one or two or three instances and making that it's all officers in every state and every city when predominantly it comes from the inner cities, which are liberally and democratically run. We shouldn't live in a country, quite frankly, where it's acceptable for the police to shoot a 16 year old four times in the chest over a fight. Hostin went on. It goes from zero to execution very, very quickly when there is a black or brown person involved. That's just the truth. Let me ask you a question. You idiot. Do you really truly believe that that officer was checking skin color at that point? Is that what you're going to tell me? That he randomly picked and just happened to kill the person who was black who had a knife? Because if you look at the color of everyone there, 
I didn't see anyone involved in the altercation that wasn't black. All I saw was a knife. And I saw a girl who was about to be shanked with it. I promise you that officer didn't have time to think about color or age or anything else. And I promise you also this, that the moment that that officer shot, he dropped and gave CPR and did whatever he could to keep that person alive. But you don't talk about that. Multiple media outlets have pushed the same narrative this week, be it identifying the race of the Columbus officer or misleading readers and viewers into thinking that Bryant wasn't unarmed when the police arrived at the scene. Also, LeBron James had something to say what's new because he doesn't get to hog the NBA trophy and the most valuable player award and run off the court so his family and friends and everyone else can't celebrate and his teammates and goes into the locker room because he's a selfish jerk. He may be one of the best players to play the game, but he's also one of the biggest pricks on the planet. This guy went ahead and posted a picture of the officer and said, you're next. Hashtag accountability. And then he took it down. Why? Because he wasn't supporting China at that time. Here's the story, and I'm going to read this to you, and then I'm going to go ahead and fix it. I'm going to take the liberty to fix this story because I'll tell you why. Because they get it wrong. Here's the story that's bullshit. A Columbus, Ohio police officer fatally shot a teen girl Tuesday afternoon while responding to a call about someone armed with a knife, officials said. Portions of the officer's body camera footage shown by police hours after the incident appeared to show the girl attempting to stab another female just before the gunfire. After the shooting, there appears to be a knife laying on the ground near the person who was shot. Police said the video shows someone trying to stab one person on the ground and a second person. City officials called the shooting a tragedy and urged calm and patience. Makia Bryant, a 16-year-old in the foster care system, was fatally shot. Franklin County Children's Services said Tuesday night, Columbus Mayor Andrew Ginther described the shooting as a horrible, heartbreaking situation. We know, based on this footage, the officer took action to protect another young girl in our community, but a family is grieving tonight, he said. The shooting just happened just before the nation learned of the jury's verdict against former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, who was found guilty of murder and manslaughter in the death of George Floyd. This is like Sesame Street. Some of these, some of these things don't belong here. How many of you actually listened to that and said, what, really? They said it that way? So I decided to say it my way. Here's my rewrite. A Columbus, Ohio police officer is facing a tragic situation between choosing one life over another. The officer saved a young girl's life today, but unfortunately had to shoot a teen girl Tuesday after while responding to a call about the victim armed with a knife and threatening several people, but officials didn't say that. Portions of the officer body camera and the footage shown by police hours after the incident vehemently vindicated the officer and showed the girl attempting to murder another female violently just before the gunfire saved the violent attacks on the victim. After the shooting, the knife lay on the ground near the attempted killer who was shot justifiably. Police said the video shows the attempted murder trying to stab an unarmed girl on the ground and a second girl. City officials called the shooting a tragedy, but stood by the officer and his actions. Makia Bryant, a 16-year-old in the foster care system, was fatally shot, Franklin County Children's Services said Tuesday night. But where she grew up has nothing to do with this case, and we are simply staging a victim mentality for an attempted murderer. 
Columbus Mayor Andrew Ginther described the shooting as a horrible, heartbreaking situation, but also that the hero cop saved several lives that day. We know, based on this footage, the officer took the only action possible to protect another young girl in our community. But a family is grieving tonight, but at least it's not two or three families, he didn't say. The shooting happened just before the nation learned of the jury's verdict against former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, who was found guilty of murder and manslaughter in the death of George Floyd. But this has nothing to do with that, and we should be ashamed of ourselves for aligning with yet another criminal and causing the victims, the real victims, indignity. The officer should receive the Medal of Valor and will receive all of the support he will need coping with this tremendously difficult situation. The money we intended on giving the family will go into a fund for officers who have suffered from the abandonment of the American people. Lastly, I am a complete cock. That is what it should read. Systemic racism. The claim that Americans awash in systemic racism is made and repeated as an unassailable fact. It's repeated casually as if everyone concedes its veracity. The term is ubiquitous in news and social media. Politicians invoke it daily, if not hourly. Corporations spend upwards of $10,000 an hour for lessons on how to eliminate their own purported systemic institutional racism. Lately, it seems as if schools and colleges are devoted to teaching little else. It's now axiomatic that systemic, structural, or institutional racism accounts for almost all disparities between the races, whether in educational achievement, employment rates, income gaps, crime rates, or health. Individual behavior, family structure, perverse governmental policies, and culture have little or nothing to do with such disparities. And to contend otherwise is itself a manifestation of systemic racism, a convenient and politically expedient canard. The allegation of pervasive systemic racism, as that term is used by politicians, media, academics, and woke mobs, is not merely false. It's a lie. Almost everyone knows it, but few are willing to say it for fear of being labeled racist, getting canceled, or becoming unemployed. I don't fear all of those. I've got permission from my boss. You're not going to cancel me, and I'm not a racist, and I can prove it because you can't. And that is the hardest thing about racism is proving. It doesn't matter that you say it. It doesn't matter that you believe it. Just because somebody says something you disagree with and it happens to be a controversial topic doesn't make them a racist. It could very well make them an ist, probably a realist. But for you to say that the black community is being held down and they can't get ahead in America and it's impossible is racist in itself. To say that black families and African-American people in the United States can't figure out how to get an ID to vote is racist. To think that black children can't grow up to be prosperous and a great member of society is racist. To keep people in the inner city and keep them down and not support the family system and support the culture of having as many kids as possible or the solution simply is to abort a child is racist. So the lie persists and grows and monastitizes. In reality, in reality, a massive multi-billion dollar apparatus exists to identify and eliminate systemic, structural, 
structural, institutional, and individual discrimination. That apparatus has existed for more than a half a century and continues to expand. It consists of inter alia, the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice, the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Education, the Equal Opportunity Employment Act Commission, the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs, the FBI, the State and Civil Rights Commissions, local human rights commissions, state's attorney general, and tens of thousands of investigators, enforcement and compliance officers, local prosecutors, and private attorneys who enforce a sprawling framework of civil rights and equal opportunity laws. These laws include but are not limited to Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Sections 1981, 1982, and 1983 of Civil Rights Acts of 1866 and 1871, the 14th Amendment, the 15th Amendment, the Fair Housing Act, the Voting Rights Act, and thousands of state and local equal opportunity and anti-discrimination laws, including affirmative action. This mammoth regime doesn't even include the tens of thousands of human resource officers and diversity and inclusion personnel who guard against systemic structural racism within their respective institutions. Indeed, in large part because of this massive framework, there is considerable systemic racism. But going in the direction opposite what is conventionally claimed. For more than a half a century, college admissions offices have discriminated against whites in favor of blacks. More recently, the discrimination has expanded in the favor of Hispanics and to disfavor Asians. The discrimination is pervasive and profound. At some schools, black applicants are up to 500 times more likely to be admitted than similarly situated white comparators. A similarly dynamic prevails in the workplace. Corporations and law firms compete furiously to get and to retain black and Hispanic employees whose objective qualifications are lower than those of whites and Asians. I can't tell you how many times in corporate America I have been told that you need to hire more women. You need to hire more African Americans. You need to hire more Hispanic Americans. And I don't have a problem with that. I agree. But the question is, why am I being ordered to do so? And why am I being told that we can no longer hire white applicants? Employers go through exhaustive gymnastics to avoid disciplining or discharging underperforming minority employees. The regnant claim that blacks are disproportionately killed by cops also is false. And this has been coming up in my thread. So listen close and please have this answer every one of your 16-page questions. Blacks are actually under underrepresented in police shootings based on black overrepresentation in crime. Listen to that. Now, here's your argument. Oh, well, that's because there's systemic racism. It's ridiculous. It is a loop. It is an absolute contrived BS loop of spinning toilet bowl. No matter what you say, there's always an argument for a philosophy that is completely unprovable and unfounded with basis of no fact. For example, while blacks are twice as likely as whites to be shot by cops, blacks are nearly seven times more likely than whites to commit murder. And that doesn't mean black people are all bad. It means, and I have said, that they live in shitholes. They are absolutely under the thumb of liberal policies. They believe that food stamps is the best choice and government-funded aid is the only way that they can survive. They are not shown a way out. These cities are not cleaned up and they're abandoned by liberals. And that is why 81% of these violent crimes happen in the top 16 most liberal cities in America. So go ahead and talk about systemic racism. You're right, there is. And it comes from liberals. The founders of the Ku Klux Klan. 
the founders of Jim Crow laws, the founders of putting Japanese in concentration camps during WW2. We can go into the Civil Rights Act and voting against it, and we can talk about the modern-day slave plantations that are our inner cities today. Democrats haven't freaking changed. They simply changed their vernacular, and they have turned it around and blamed Republicans when we are the party of Lincoln and have never agreed to any of this. Blacks are disproportionately killed by other blacks. Consider, for example, data from the FBI Uniform Crime Report. 2018, 2,925 blacks were murdered where the identities of the victims and murderers were immediately known. 2,600 blacks killed other blacks. In 2019, 13 unarmed blacks were fatally shot by cops. 13! Racial disparity has morphed almost imperceptibly into racism. That's a significant and from a public policy perspective. It's dangerous. And it's a cheat. In 2018, 1,354,313 men were incarcerated in state and federal prisons. In contrast, only 110,000 women were incarcerated. If racial disparities are proof of systemic racism, then the disparity in incarceration rates must be proof of systemic sexism in the penal system. So for purposes of equity and equality, more than a million male prisoners should be released. Whenever you hear the terms systemic, structural, or institutional racism, white privilege, implicit bias, disparity, equity, intersectionality, and anti-racism, there is a fair probability that imbeciality and mendacity and mischief will follow. Tough words. My selection's horrible. And invariably, political opportunism. I'm not yelling and getting red-faced because I think that whites need to be exonerated. The white people have done horrible things. Native Americans did horrible things too before we even got here. Spaniards did horrible things. Slavery was actually on the continent of Africa before we even got there. Humans are sinners and they have done horrible things. And there is no pure race out there. Maybe the Swedes or Canadians. We have to stop living in the past. We have to stop living the sins of our fathers. I don't want white people exonerated for their crimes. I'm sick and tired of African-American and minorities not being held accountable for theirs. I understand that there is a horrible amount of racist individuals in the United States. I'm not daft to that. I live right next to it. I've told you 300 yards here. There are Klan rallies. I get it. And if any of them walked on my property, I would have something to say. And I'm waiting for a cross to be burned in my yard any day. And I don't care because I will take the fight to them. I will stand next to any American. I don't care what race, color, creed they are, but I'm not the problem. And either are you. It's the narrative. It's the media. And it's the politician and it's articles like the one that I read tonight, which creates division and cynicism towards this racial disparity that doesn't exist. There is nothing that you can prove to tell me that black people are inferior to whites, that men are superior to women. We should stop pretending that any of them are inferior as well, because that's really what you're doing. When you make the excuse that blacks don't have any choice 
in their position, you're lying to yourself. There are plenty of states in the union where you can go and live for rent for $300 a month. That is not a complete trashed place. It's not downtrodden. It might be a rural community. But you can get out. You can leave. But bad choices are continue to be made. And the Democrats have every single one of these inner cities under their thumb where they don't give people choices to leave. They don't give them the choices of which schools their kids can go to. They leave them one way out, these fatherless mothers and families, where they only have one way to provide for their children, and that is to go on food stamps, WIC, and government support. You don't solve the problem. You create more problems with abortion, with not showing people what it's like to raise a child in a safe nuclear home, nuclear family home. You take away family values. You take away the word of God. You take away everything when it comes to morals and discipline. And you tell people how to raise their children properly. And the only way to raise them properly is to tell them that the white man is their enemy and that the white person is evil. And unfortunately, that's just not true. This country was founded on so many great ideals and we have attempted to live up to them. And sometimes we have failed, and sometimes we succeed. Success is usually not an accident. Either is failure. We have to stop the divide. We have to stop ignoring the real problem. Drugs, violence, gangs, lack of accountability, and spineless prosecutors who will not hold the law to the first order. Governors and mayors who allow their cities to burn. Not imposing the National Guard and cleaning it up. Not actually stopping the representation and terminating and doing recalls and removing these people from office who are lifetime politicians who continue to create downtrodden society for African Americans and minorities. But you can say it's systemic racism. You can say that there is this amazing force that just holds people down from being successful and they are white. And you know what? That's fine. I will agree with you as long as you'll admit that it starts with L and ends with liberals because it's not conservative cities doing this. Some of the most prosperous conservative cities do not see this. Miami, Florida was one of the worst places in the United States when it came to violent crime. It has been constantly repairing itself. There are plenty of other places like in Houston and Dallas that are now seeing Crime, which used to be, once again, rampant, but was on the downturn. But because liberals are now entering the state of Texas, we're seeing it increase. Look at Austin. If you haven't been to Austin, it's overran with homeless. There is an absolute systemic issue here. It's called liberal politics. It's called progressivism. It's called socialism. And you can call it any culture that you want. The true failure of the United States has and always will be liberal policy. And until we address that and until we educate minorities that it will always fail them, we are destined to keep repeating ourselves and hearing crap like this. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. I got really frustrated tonight. I know there were some cuss words in there. I think you'll be okay. I usually keep it PG-13, but tonight I just couldn't. I hope you understand. By the way, I took off all my links in the middle of that, got fired up. 
You can follow, like, share, subscribe. I hope you do. I hope you stop by. You might agree. You might disagree. You might think I'm absolutely crazy. Either way, all I ask is that you don't unfriend me. And I would appreciate it if you are a veteran or you know somebody who is suffering. 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. The Veteran Crisis Hotline is there for veterans. Traumatic brain injury, PTSD, all extremely, extremely real and terrible things are causing veterans to commit suicide 22 times a day. They can use this phone call to help them. If you can't make that call, I will make it with you. If you need someone to fly out and talk to them, I'll do it. Just give me a message and direct link, direct link me and I will do what I can. And if that doesn't work, go to my site on don'tunfriendly.com. Click on the VCL link and you'll be connected to a VCL operator. Folks, thank you once again. I appreciate you tolerating me getting frustrated. I try to keep it to a nice moderate level, but I am sick and tired of this repetitive circle down the drain with all these cultures. Can we just stop growing the bacteria and the mold and start talking about what we can do to fix it? Because a culture is not really what this is about. It's about the lack of culture and the one that we forgot, that we are Americans, we are patriots, and we should respect and love one another instead of having malice in our hearts. Thank you so much. I'll see you tomorrow.